everybody and welcome to another one in our long-running series of financial well-being podcasts. At what point did we become long-running series? Oh, I probably once we got into the third year, I think, that (laughs) official long-running year. That voice you just heard in, butting in, was the voice of? Chris Budd, butting in. Sorry about that. (laughs) No, it's all right. But away. It's an equally shared uh, podcast. Chris Butt. Chris Butt. And the other person who's yet to butt in but is about to is... Tom Morris shaking his head at those jokes. <laughs> uh, yeah, director and charter financial planner of Ovation Finance, shameless plug, who helped put this podcast together. They do indeed, and very well they do it too. And I have to declare an interest. I'm indeed a client of Ovation Finance and very happy I am with the service that they offer. Oh, Is that bless what you, you. want to be yeah, doing? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Checks in the post. And David, you're asking, kindly asking how we are. How are you? And in particular, how is your amazing play going? Well, very exciting. For those that uh, don't know the backstory to this, I like to think of myself as being an actor, but actually haven't acted on the professional stage for 20 years. And I'm now in the middle of rehearsing a play at Bristol Old Vic, prestigious theatre here in Bristol, called The Red Lion. It's a play by Patrick Marber that uh, premiered at the National Theatre about five years ago, and it's its West of England regional premiere. There's myself, two other very talented actors in it, called Joe Sims and Tom McGee. It's set in the world of semi-professional football, and it's a fascinating play. If you like football, you'll like this play. If you like theatre, you'll like this play. If you like both football and theatre, then you'll like it even more. (laughs) Uh, It's a really, really brilliant play. The two of the guys in it are fantastic. I hope I'm going to be too. If we do justice to the play itself, then I think it'll be a fascinating uh, evening at the theatre. It's only an hour and a half long, no interval, straight through. Only... Oh, my kind of thing. Exactly. <laughs> Can 12 you ladder pa- last an hour and a half, Tomo? Uh, yeah. £12 a ticket as well, so tight-ass Tomo would like that one. Uh, so Bristol Old Vic, it opens on the 11th of March, runs the 28th, and if you're in the area, or indeed if you're not in the area and fancy coming along to see it, tickets are available from the Bristol Old Vic website. Anyway, enough of that waffle. What are we going to be talking about today, Chris? Well, David, today we are going to look at something called social prescribing. Oh, yes. <laughs> so social prescribing is all about... Uh, well, we'll find out when we start talking about it, but it's, it's a really interesting uh, take on time and how to make time and the importance of time. Absolutely fascinating. Look forward to talking about that later. But let's start with our regular feature where we answer some of the uh, topical questions that clients of Ovation Finance ask. What have you brought to the table this week, Tomo? Well, when Chris mentioned the topic of today's podcast was going to be social prescribing, so that idea of creating time, it reminded me of a client we had at Ovation who was diagnosed, unfortunately, with a terminal illness. And we managed to get their life insurance paid out early so that he and his family could do some travelling and make the most of their last year. Oh, that's great that you were able to do that. And do you know what? I have sometimes myself wondered if that's possible, but how does it actually work? Well, it's important to check whether there is a terminal illness benefit on a life insurance product, but there usually is. But the way it works is usually requires you to have a life expectancy of less than 12 months and just need something from a consultant confirming that. And then usually when you present that to the life insurance company, um, they're usually pretty quick at turning these things around and getting the money out to somebody. Because ultimately, with it being a life insurance, they're going to be paying it out anyway, so they kindly provide it earlier. 
Well, that's great, isn't it? Because actually those are the times when you, know, you want, I guess, to have access to that money, to have those. We've often talked on the Financial Wellbeing podcast about using your money to make you feel happier and, and, and using it rather than sitting on it. And I think this is an ideal example of how you can do that and do something not just for that one person, but something that the whole family will remember, particularly when the person who's died has gone. Exactly, exactly. Boring thing to say, though, still important to do some careful planning to make sure that what's left is actually going to be able to provide for those that, that are there. But it does focus the mind on what's important. Yeah, ever the realist, but good advice there. From the <laughs> Sorry. No, not at all, not at all. That's why you're such a good financial advisor. Yeah. Is that what you wanted me to say? Yeah, yeah, again, oh, okay. the other checks coming. You're getting loads today, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> this is great. So, moving on, talking about great financial advisors and talking about being financially realistic, we're coming now to the favourite section, my favourite section, and many of our listeners' favourite section, Tight Ass Tomo, where we will come in a minute and ask our Prince of Parsimony to come up with this week's fantastic tip. But Chris, have you got anything? I do. Marcus Green is on Twitter, he's at Marcus in Stroud, posted a tweet this morning which really made me smile. He said, are you bored and want something to do? And he posted a link to britishbespokeauctions.co.uk and in particular their vintage tractor, farm machinery and tool sale. <laughs> and let me read out some of the things that you can bid on here. Plot one, contents of two corrugated iron sheds. Plot two, contents of a shed. Plot four, contents of outbuilding. Plot five, contents of a pillared shed. And plot six, contents of a tunnel shed. I love the fact that the nature of the shed is so important. Exactly. This. So they're presumably <laughs> just full of rusting yeah. farm machinery, yeah. are they? Yeah, and, and it's completely random what you might get. There's a picture of just lots of junk. They're about 200 quid. So if somebody wants a little project, <laughs> spend 200 quid and clear somebody else's shed out. But in what way is that saving money? Well, because you can then you might find that gold dust, that nugget that you can go off and sell, and it gives you a sense of purpose. Is, your, is this not working? Is this... No, it is working. No, 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 no you convinced me. I asked a genuine question. You've okay. given me a very good answer. I mean, there's some lovely-looking old rusty iron wheels on this particular contents of a lean-to shed. <laughs> Because we all do love, don't we, dusting through the attic. And uh, we were just, in fact, looking at your Test Match special game that you just got down yeah. out of your loft. Yeah, and, so and you could find one of those in a, in a shed. Wouldn't that be exciting? Exactly. And that's certainly going to improve your financial well-being, whether it actually ends up saving you money or not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Purpose. It's all yeah. about purpose. Yeah. Uh, well, I brought a tip this week, actually, and it's a very simple one. If you want to save some money, go on a diet. Because I've, I've been on a diet for the last couple of months. I've lost a stone in weight. You, you can tell you're looking great. I've missed my cue. <laughs> my yeah, you were too late then. I'm not paying you for that one. No. So I've lost a stone in about two months. So it hasn't been a kind of drastic diet. But do you know what? I'm saving myself a fortune by not buying cakes, biscuits, chocolate, cream, all of those things. I'm still eating pretty well, you know, but a lot of fruit and vegetables and fish and chicken and everything. But actually, I've noticed that my food expenditure bill is is gone right down because I'm not buying a lot of those other things. So, you know, if money is a little bit tight, then that's a good way of saving. Just eat healthily. Yeah, that's yeah. a really and good tip also about when you go to the supermarket, don't go when you're hungry. Yeah. Because you tend to buy lots of rubbish because you're feeling hungry. So, yeah, that's another little tip. Well, one of the planks of well-being in general was physical well-being and you're you're ticking that box as well as the financial well-being box so this is great exactly but i'm due also i'm hoping to run the bristol i am so i'm not hoping i am going to run the bristol 10k later this year and i'm about to start training for it but i'm slightly concerned in the past when i've run and i do quite a bit of running 
I, I run a lot and then I go, oh, I can eat what I like because I'm running. But actually what I've got to be careful about this time yeah. is, is c- continuing to eat less or eat healthier while at the same time running. So we'll see how that yeah, works. Yeah, funny so. enough, we've all decided at Ovation to uh, run the run the Bristol 10K as well. And we're all, <laughs> all getting back to running for the first time in a long time for many of us. And it's I've probably put on a stone since I ran the 10K three years ago, and boy, can I tell. Yeah, so can. hopefully that melts away sooner rather than later. Are you doing it for a charity at Ovation? We are. Details to follow, because I believe Tammy is putting all those details okay. together. Well, so you know we're, what? We'll well, announce. I might join your charity team, then, if I may. Yeah. Because at the moment, I'm just running welcome. it for myself. Yeah. To keep myself fit. Great so. idea. Join the Ovation team. Yeah. yeah. Really good yeah. idea. Love to do that. Anyway, oh, look, it's things are negotiated live on air, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Right, so now we're coming to the main event, obviously. Tomo, what tight-ass tip have you got for us today? Well, we put a message out there to ask if people had some, and we got some really good responses back, so I'm actually going to just steal someone's rather than come up with my own, because, do you know what? Well, that's a really good tight-ass tip, though, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Steal someone else's. You'll get the credit for it, but you've not had to do any work other than look on Twitter. (laughs) And even I put the post out. He didn't even do that. No, I just... (laughs) Wait, Levi, this is this is the beauty of doing this and having my own hashtag. So this one was from a fellow financial planner, Amir Rocker Lima. Is it Rocker Lima? Apologies, Ian. I, I always call him Amir. I don't call him by his surname. So apologies if I've got, got that wrong. And he can be found on at a underscore Rocker Lima. And he said, this is a parenting tip. If you're going to allow your children to watch some TV, get them into older Disney slash Pixar movies. Great storytelling, great soundtracks, no cinema expensive, and free YouTube clips. Also, cheap, like new toys on eBay, because of course they've been knocking around for a while. So I thought it was a brilliant tip for uh, parents. Do you know what? I remember when Toy Story came out and Buzz Lightyear was the toy to have. The shops ran out of it. Were you upset, Chris? No, I was a little old. (laughs) But you could, they were going for hundreds and hundreds of pounds that Christmas because they were so. I bet you could get one of those dead cheap now on eBay, couldn't you? just yeah been slobbered over by yeah, some children for a few years. as long as you don't mind just using a few antibacterial wipes on there <laughs> and a few scratches right well great suggestion by Amir thank you for that one the other thing we need to mention as well is the financial well-being conference I believe yeah and there's another one coming there is so this year little update on the our new institute the initiative for financial well-being or IFW We've got an interesting contact from Australia recently. Somebody wow. listens to this podcast in Australia and want to know all about what the Institute's doing. We've got 140 people have now signed up as individual members, paying members. We've got uh, the first research project, Touchwood, is about to be agreed. We've got the uh, first regional event is being arranged. And, of course, we have our conference on the 14th of May in Bristol. Uh, the initiative for uk, I think, is the uh, email address. We'll just Google it. So go and have a look at that. Come and join. And uh, the details of the conference will be on there as well. We've got some really cool speakers. But most importantly, David, we have a launch party the night before. Fantastic. Well, certainly the, the conference last year, which was the, the, the first time we'd ever done it, was absolutely brilliant event. I went there not quite knowing what to expect. I'd been engaged to come and host it. And I think we all had a ball. There were some great speakers there. The, the live Q&A that we did, I thought, was excellent. A really, really good day out it was. Yeah, yeah. Well, we've got one or two of those speakers are coming back. We've got the topics like mental health. Um, financial education we've got some more exhibitors this time and some very interesting exhibitors so it's going to be a really really good conference brilliant may the 14th may the 14th be with you yes excellent that's just three days before my birthday is that so, right yeah, exactly. you're full of fascinating facts and if i could just chime in because 
I'm sort of trying to put together these regions. The two regions that are looking as though they're going to be set up very soon and there will be some information going out there are London and naturally Bristol. So watch this space. Other regions are popping up. And the more support we can get for this, the more great speakers we can get to come along and ultimately build, build the community. Right, let's move on then to the uh, main body of this podcast. Uh, Chris, tell us about social prescribing. I'm all ears. Well, it's about time. <laughs> we got to this part as quickly as we could. <laughs> I mean, social prescribing, it's all about time. When you go and see your GP, okay, how long do you get to talk to them? Well, it's about 10 minutes, I think. Isn't I, it, I think that's a kind of official, the official thing, that you get 10 minutes, 10 minutes segments. And in that 10 minutes, your GP has to diagnose your problem prescribe a solution or send you off for more tests if they cannot diagnose there and then. And they've 10 minutes, that's that's all they have. Now that just isn't enough time to listen to what might be the real problem behind the illness. There's no criticism of doctors, GPs here at all. This is just the system that they work under. Now we used to have, Ovation used to have as a client, a private GP. And his consultations were always 30 minutes. And I always remember meeting him for an annual review one year and he told me he had seen a patient that morning who had a pain in their arm and half an hour later he diagnosed the patient as having depression. Well, I suppose that's a benefit of having extra time. Just slightly off topic, as as regular listeners will know, I write for a BBC television programme called Doctors, of course, yes. which is about the life and times of GPs. We are not constrained by reality, <laughs> so our doctors can spend the whole day chatting with patients, visiting them at their houses, uh, sitting in the staff room, talking to colleagues about their love life. Uh, it's you know, perhaps slightly real than the reality of what a real doctor's life Do you have like. any feedback from real GPs about your show? They all go, if only, if only. And <laughs> everybody agrees it's medically accurate, because it has to be, but you have to take certain leeways with, with evidence. I'd, I'd just like to defend GPs. This is not an, an attack. This, no, the, no, the, no. I have a lot of sympathy for the amount of people they have to see and ultimately the limited amount of uh, GPs that are available to a lot of people. And, my my and partner is a doctor. She works in a health service and, and, and I know from the stories I hear from her about the incredible work that everybody in the NHS does. So absolutely, this time is not constraint having a go, and not, having yeah, a go yeah, doctor. absolutely. So, anyway, so yeah. that's you just underline my point. It's about time that they just don't have time in the NHS because they're under so much pressure to deliver. So when it comes to health, doctors are of course fabulous, but it's not not in their remit to look at the wider issues of our well-being. They just don't have the time, and it's not what they are there for. So this is where social prescribing comes in. And I'll just quote uh, the definition of, of social prescribing on the NHS website. It says social prescribing is a way for local agencies, by which I think we can, you know, in this context, think GPs, to refer people to a link worker. Link workers give people time, focusing on what matters to me and taking an holistic approach to people's health and well-being. They connect people to community groups and statutory services for practical and emotional support. I saw a recent study on this which suggested that 20% of consultations with GPs are for social rather than medical issues. You know, we got more and more pressure on the system as we were just talking about due to an ageing population. So understanding and actually acting on this link between health and social well-being is only become more important. And, and actually this is, I was listening on, on the radio on the way and I can't remember the chat but he was quite high up in the NHS and he was actually saying that there's no point necessarily just chucking money at the NHS. It's maybe rethinking about how we actually prevent some of the causes of these issues, such as social issues, and spending a bit more time and effort and money on that. So hopefully there is going to be a shift towards that. 
Yeah, I think we need to see more of a shift towards what they call preventative medicine. It's great to see this notion of social prescribing is catching on in NHS. Can you give me an example of who who someone might be referred to, Chris? Yeah, in the area of cancer, for example, a Macmillan support worker might be contacted. They can help with practical, emotional and financial support. And uh, presumably the work of the, well, the Penny Braun Centre, which is someone I know that you're closely associated with, and indeed all the proceeds from the financial wellbeing book go towards supporting their work, they must be key in that area, are they? Yeah, absolutely. So my wife is a cancer nurse for the NHS, and she works at Penny Braun one day a week. And the big difference that she says is that at Penny Braun, she is able to spend time with people, which is limited when she's working in the NHS. At Penny Braun, they look at other areas too. They go further because they'll also look at your mind, body, spirit and emotional needs. And this kind of plays into our big know thyself thing. It plays into how there are our belief that there are five parts of well-being and they all interact with each other. So this is this is really right in that space. Yeah, I just want to go back to Macmillan for a moment because we do like to signpost where there are some really useful tools out there. And actually, Macmillan have a really good financial support offering. If you look at finance.macmillan.org.uk, there are some really useful tools and tips for people who are struggling with their finances. You know, they have a benefits guide, budget calculator and you know lots of guides on topics such as wills and pensions so there to really help support people who are struggling it probably going to be signposted when they're going through an issue such as cancer but heck, i think anybody in any position of their life could could take a look at that right thanks tomo and how does this social prescribing fit in with financial well-being chris so as we say there's these five parts to well-being which are community social career physical and financial well-being and financial well-being, I think, is unique amongst those five because it's the one that supports and improves the other areas. It's not an objective in itself. So the question is how social well-being can be supported by financial well-being. And the community comes into this equation hugely. Community well-being, community supporting social. So I'd like to illustrate this by way of a story. It comes from a lady called Lisa Batkin, and she is on Twitter at L-E-I-S-A underscore B-A-T-K-I-N, Lisa Backin, who works in a GP practice in Leeds as a well-being coordinator. She's been doing that for a few years, but 20 years ago, you would never have heard of something like a well-being coordinator in a GP, would you? It's part of their social prescribing service. And uh, I've asked her if she, we could share this story because when I read it, it really, really moved me. And I just think it, it, it summarised. So, David, you are our actor. I thought it might be good if you could play the part, so to speak. Maybe not do the voice, uh, but just read out this story that, uh, that Lisa shared on, on Twitter. So, where I work, we have a massive problem with males being lonely. I don't know whether it's the loss of the working man's club or employment, because men aren't very good at talking about stuff. But there's more and more men coming to the practice with various complaints that when we get to the bottom of it, it's because they're sitting in their flats on their own, drinking too much or smoking too much or not speaking to each other for days. The isolation is highly significant. I met a chap called Paddy, who's 66, retired, living on his own, used to work in security and kept coming to the doctors every week, rang them up virtually every day. When he retired, he had working security dogs that he brought home. No one will go and knock on his door because these dogs are terrifying. So Paddy came to the practice and when we got down to it, we found that he really liked music and had about 2,000 vinyls in his home, but didn't have anything to play them on. So we decided that we'd apply for some funding, and we bought a record player for the coffee morning at the Polish Centre. I said, right, Paddy, well, if you bring some of your records, we've got you a record player. So we left the dogs, 
and he started coming to this coffee morning and played his vinyl records. Another man, who'd sat in the corner for the past four weeks, recognised the music, walked over and had a conversation with Paddy, just about records. Every Thursday they meet for a coffee. He brings his vinyl, and the other guy brings his, and the pair of them talk about music for two hours, and that's all it took. You're not very complicated, you fellas. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not. That's, yeah, well. Isn't that an amazing story? I find that so moving, but maybe partly because it was all the vinyl that was involved. Exactly, yeah. But getting out of the house and talking to somebody, and it's not easy to do. Let's not, let's not pretend that this is an easy thing to just go and introduce somebody. So the idea of social prescribing in a GP surgery as bringing people together just for a chat like that, I thought was amazing. It's yeah. great. And I can absolutely sympathise with men like Paddy. I'm just a couple of years younger than he is. And I, I, at the moment anyway, still live on my own. And although I have a good family, I have my partner who I do see a lot, I have a good social network. There are times when I'm sitting at home on my own, kind of looking at the wall, Desperate for somebody to talk to. Mm. And so... For, uh, well, so am I. Yeah. You could just come round. Well, when I say somebody... <laughs> <laughs> Not that desperate. <laughs> um, but I think it's true. I think we all have moments when we're lonely and most of us are fortunate enough to have uh, social outlets where we can get away from that. But I think it's very easy for men that don't have that to fall into that, that black hole, really. Mm. Yeah, I, I just... When, when I'm talking to people who are talking about retirement and stopping work... The thing that I try and make them focus on or understand is that social interactions element. Because when we work, or in a lot of people's work, there are those social interactions laid on for us without us even having to think about it. But then when you stop work, that can stop if you don't have other outlets. When I, I may have told this story on a podcast before, in which case I apologise, or you may not have heard it, in which case I'm going to tell it again anyway. <laughs> when I was a young man myself, I used to hitchhike quite a lot because it was a thing then. And I remember hitchhiking from Chester, where I'd been visiting friends, uh, down to London, where I was living at the time. And I got a lift off this guy, uh, who's a Brummie. And he was 80, told me how old he was. Uh, and he was working for, as a volunteer for Age Concern. And he said, he said, to be honest, he said, most of the people I work with are younger than me. But I've, you know, but it's about outlook. He said, it's about attitude. He said, when I retired, I decided I wasn't going to be one of those people that sat on the wall in his slippers watching the world go by. I wanted to get out and make a difference. And that's always stuck with me. Brilliant. That expression, mm. don't sit on the wall in your slippers watching the world go by. And as somebody who is now close to the, the age when... I could retire if I wanted to. Certainly, I want to be making more informed choices about what I do with my time. But do I want to stop working? Absolutely not, because I, I enjoy it. and it, I've got more to benefit from working than I have by not. Purpose, purpose, purpose. It's all about purpose. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember one of our most popular podcast episodes, Nick Elston. I don't know if you remember that mental well-being. He was just so good. And he talked about the importance of recovery time. So you might say this is financial well-being in a nutshell, because... You know, our catchphrase here, every single podcast, financial planning is very simple. Work out what you want from life and then spend your money on that. So when you're working out what you want from life, build in some time for yourself to recover. Build in some time to be social interaction. Plan it. Do your own social prescribing. Don't rush back to work if you've been poorly. If you retire, you know, make sure you've got some purpose, you've got something to do and so on. So social prescribing basically means going to an expert for a diagnosis then going to see someone who has the time to look at the causes behind the issue. 
It's almost like you have a role in this podcast, David, isn't it? <laughs> Perfect summary, yes. Um, can I draw a last conclusion? A little bit shameless, but I'll go for it anyway. This is also what a good financial planner can do for you. You know, If you've got an issue with your money, perhaps pensions that need sorting or investments you haven't looked at for ages, then go into a, an old-fashioned financial advisor who just looks at the pensions or investments. We'll be like that 10-minute consultation with a GP there get something done and give you some tablets for your for your issues but if you go to a financial planner somebody who really wants to get to know you and what's underneath all your motivations somebody perhaps who's got coaching training something that we do at ovation you know they'll be able to spend the time helping you to work out how to use those pension investments to maximize your well-being because that's ultimately all they are is tools to enhance our lives brilliant Absolutely brilliant way to round up the uh, podcast. I've really enjoyed today. It's been a really interesting chat, actually, and I hope you've enjoyed it at home too and that you'll join us next time for another one of our financial wellbeing podcasts. If you want to be notified of upcoming podcasts, make sure you click the subscribe button. For more information on the topics discussed in today's podcast and to purchase a copy of the Financial Wellbeing book, please visit www.financialwell-being.co.uk. We'd love to hear your thoughts and ideas on financial well-being. You can send us an email at contact at financialwell-being.co.uk. You can follow us on Twitter at FinWellBeing. Chris is Ovation Chris and David is at Dave underscore Backwell. This has been an Ovation Finance production. Thanks for listening to the Financial Wellbeing Podcast. More interesting than you might think.